we'll read just a couple of verses uh, as a, sort of a springboard into what we're... Well, I'll tell you what, we'll just pray. I want to I wanna talk to you tonight on this subject. And I want to try my best to teach you a principle from this portion of Scripture. And the text and the, the title or the subject is from victory unto victory. How that God takes us from one victory to the next and what He tells us personally to do to prepare for our victory unto victory. Uh, Travis, you've done the best out of all four of them in the missions conference. Uh, if it swells your head up, I don't care, it's the truth. Boy, preach yourself to death here Thursday night. And I love them all. I appreciate them. But I'm going to tell you something. You ain't going to hear nobody grab hold of a wooden desk and swear back and spit God's Word out any more than he did. I want you to come pray for us. And thank you for helping us write the Sunday school lessons and everything. Contacted the missionaries. He did it all. And I appreciate it. And I wanted to pray that God will help us tonight as we preach from victory unto victory. Listen. All right, Father, we love you. I pray tonight, Lord, you cleanse us of our sin, wash us from our iniquity. I pray you fire up our preacher tonight. I pray the sweet Holy Ghost would speak to his heart. Lord, I pray he would overflow out of his study, overflow out of his quiet time, overflow out of his preaching spirit tonight. Lord, I pray you give us a drink from the book of life. We love you. We pray for God's anointing on the one that will preach and on those of us that will hear. Help us, oh God, tonight. I pray you save the lost. Encourage the saints of God. Help us to continue in the things of God tonight. We love and appreciate our Bible, our choir, our pastor, our congregation, and we ask your blessings on it now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can be seated. If you go to Joshua chapter 1, you'll see the death of Moses. God begins to move one out in order that he might set another one up. The death of Moses is given to us in uh, the last book of the Pentateuch, and then it is forced over in the book of Joshua chapter 1. If you look in chapter 2 of the book of Joshua, you'll also find that Rahab and deliverance through uh, the spies and the agreement uh, and the um, vow that they make with her, that everybody that's in her house, and if that scarlet cord is in that window, he said, everybody in your house will be saved. If anybody goes out of it, they're on their own. But if they're found in the house, then they will be rescued and will not be killed. In chapter 3, the Jordan River dries up, and God is speaking to the children of Israel about walking across on dry ground. You say, I have a problem with all of those miracles in the Old Testament. Well, let me encourage you. Don't jump them 400 dark years between Malachi and Matthew and jump over in there in that New Testament because it will blow every gasket in your spiritual motor if that little uh, Jordan River crossing is going to bog you down. Chapter number 4, uh, God tells Joshua to take 12 men 
And when they go through the Jordan, they're to pick up 12 stones and put them on their shoulder. And they are to walk through that river and take those stones. And the first place they spend the night, those stones were to be set up. And they said this. They said it is a memorial uh, to your children. And uh, two, uh, as a testimony to what I can do. And so he said, when your children ask you about the, the miracles of God and the power of God's miracles working, you can, when they say, what are these stones? You tell them these stones came out of that river when it was dried up by the mighty power and the hand of God. And then we move into chapter 5, where there is a readiness now. They go from God drying up the Jordan River uh, into chapter 5, where they're getting ready now. There's a readiness being prepared for them to step into chapter 6 and to take Jericho by storm. Now tonight I want to stop in chapter 5 and give you this proposition. Every believer or every person in this room tonight can ready themselves for your future victory. God has a miracle with your name on it. God has a movement with your name on it. God has a destiny for you. You're going to go through trials. You're going to go through tribulations. You're going to go through troubles. But praise God, they're nothing but stepping stones into your next victory. Notice they didn't just rush in and take Jericho. God gave them the entire fifth chapter of the book of Joshua and told them how to ready themselves for victory. Now, every one of us can ready ourselves for victory by following the instruction manual that is given to us about warfare in Joshua chapter 5. Do you want to know what you need to do now to ready yourself for the next battle? How many of you know we're living from battle to battle? Let me see your hand. There's a financial battle. There's physical battles. There's marital and domestic battles. I mean, there are battles on every side in the Christian life. But praise God, we're talking tonight from victory unto victory. The skirmishes that come, the battles that come, and all the ensuing fights that come. Hallelujah, I come tonight as an ambassador of God to tell you that every Christian, every Christian can ready themselves for, for battle by following these instructions. I'm going to give you two or three things that you must do in order to ready yourself for the battle and win it. Number one, I want you to see a testimony that is real. Verse number one, a testimony that is real. And it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on the side of Jordan westward, or the west side of Jordan, and all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, that's the Mediterranean coast, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until we were passed over. Now I want you to notice that when these godless kings, these godless leaders 
these godless countries heard. And oh, how miraculous news travels. When miracles start getting produced, all of a sudden, people start listening, and the Scripture says, these kings heard about the rivers or the waters of the River Jordan drying up. Now, I want you to notice, till we were passed over, notice what it happened. That their heart melted, neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. Now, listen to me real close right here. When you have a victory at one place in your life, and you win a war and win a battle in your life, it comes up as a testimony against the devil when you start into your next one. Are you listening? <laughs> now, don't miss this. They have the river dried up. Where it comes down from the north, the Bible says it lapped up in a heap. And the ground dried up, and here come them twelve priests holding that Ark of the Covenant, and they had it, and they stood out in the middle of that river, and it dried up, and there they stood on dry ground. And 40,000 men who were militarily prepared go across before everybody else in case there is a battle or a war over there. And the Bible says, until we were all clean over. Clean over. I thought that was a redneck term, but it's a Bible term. Until we were all clean over. The Bible says that ground stayed dry and the Ark of the Covenant stayed in that riverbed until Joshua said, bring it forth. They walked out of that riverbed with that Ark of the Covenant, the Word of God, the power of God's mouth in the Old Testament. They walked out of that riverbed with that covenant, with that God's mind on tablet, with that representation of heaven's entourage. They walked out of there, and time, the last priest stepped up on the bank. It was harvest season, and it says the river returned to a full bank as soon as that last priest stepped out of that water, and word began to travel. God's on the move with them Jews again. God's moving with that crowd of His children, and they're just walking the walk. They're just talking the talk. They're just standing by faith. They're just walking where God tells them. They're just living by the living Word. Now I want you to see something. In chapter 3 and 4, there's where you'll find that story stated. And when you get into chapter 5, he says there's a city inside of this land flowing with milk and honey that you are going to have to take. He said, but the testimony you have is going to take it for you. He said, the testimony that's went forth because of you is going to cause these kings to melt and their spirit is going to dry up in them. In other words, they're not going to have the courage to stand against you. They're not going to have the ability to stand against you. They're not going to have the spirit to try to fight you. They're not going to be able to overcome you or to battle you or to beat you because your testimony that is real is going to fight for you. Let me say something to you right here. I don't know 
what battle you just came out of. If you're really saved and born again, and tell me the devil don't never bother you. You told it, I didn't. But I promise you this, if you're born again by the blood of Christ, saved by the grace of God, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, and God Almighty is your Father, the Holy Ghost is your uh, comforter, and Jesus Christ is your elder brother. I guarantee you, you catch him, hell somewhere. And if you aren't, you just told me who you can to. You're categorizing yourself because you're going from battle to battle. And I'm going to tell you how you win. You have a testimony in your last fight that goes before you in your next. I'm going to tell you something. Satan will never be afraid of a failure. Satan will never be afraid of a quitter. Satan will never be afraid of a loser. Satan will never be afraid of someone full of fear. Satan will never be afraid of someone who's not winning. But I promise you this, if you, in the name of Jesus, begin to have a testimony for God that's real, and you begin to have a record and a scorecard that says, I am more than a conqueror through Him that loved me and gave Himself up. If you are in that particular state of mind, I'll guarantee you this, the, the devil, the demons of hell, and the enemies that you face on planet earth, God will let their spirit melt within them, and God will let their courage wane away from you. How many times there used to be, there used to be a man that lived behind the church here uh, who came against me personally years ago. He didn't like it because we bought this property and he said we was going to stick one of them churches back there where he had a go-kart track. And he had a little garden spot. He was, he, he was squatting on somebody else's land. He was a squatter. He had all, I mean, all of this. They had some of the finest motocross tracks that over there in that parking lot. They had, they had a, a tomato patch. I bet you they was growing a, a third of an acre of tomatoes and peas and green beans and all kinds of stuff was being grown on Brother Burkhalter's land. He didn't even know it till I came up here to look at it. And I said, we're going to put a church building there. That guy said, over my dead body. He said, I'll do everything. He, he was at the hearing we had to rezone this property. He stood up and he voiced his opinion. He came out vehemently against everything that we were. And I, at that time, it wasn't many of we's. It was a whole lot of me's. And I was, I was sitting in there and he just run his mouth. And I just sit there and I looked at him and the town council said, Are you finished? Are you done? He said, Well, I'm finished at this meeting. He said, But I'm telling the woman down here at the end of the driveway. Both of them sat there hand in hand and said, I'll see it not happen. I said, well, he asked me, he said, what do you want to say? I said, I'm sorry these people feel that way. All we're trying to bring is joy and glory to this community. I said, all we're trying to do is build a church that will stop drug traffic and alcoholism and all kinds of domestic affairs and all kinds of problems. and All we're trying to do to be a blessing. I said, but if you if all want to be saddled with that and that burden and stand before God and shut that kind of thing down, so be it. Just give it your best shot. And all of a sudden, that woman melted. I don't know what happened to her, but she backed out of his camp. Never did ask. Seven weeks later, eight weeks later, that man was dead as dead's ever been. 
What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying when God gives you a victory, and God gives you a, a, a triumph, and God gives you an old-fashioned winning record, I promise you this, He will step into the next battle with you, and the last victory you have will become the joy and the glory of your next fight. Ladies and gentlemen, get you some victories under your belt, and you can give the devil all he can handle. Somebody, somebody says, uh, and somebody who walks in, some of you haven't been here long, you come in and says, oh my goodness, I bet that thing down there is a burden. I bet that debt's going to be, and all, there's all kinds of skepticism, uh, all kinds of questions, and all kinds, but I want to say something to you. Uh, <clears throat> when, you hadn't, when you've been here 30, talk to me. I didn't come to this building. I came through the first one. Yeah. Then I came through the second one that was at L shape. Then I came through the square one over here. And then we built that gym that is now a Sunday school annex. Then we built this auditorium. This is the sixth one. Oh no. If the devil's going to kill me, they'd already have a tombstone with my name on it. That ain't nothing but a thing. It's a bigger thing than the last thing, but I know that thing's going to be taken care of because that thing got taken care of by the power of God. And I'm going to tell you, if you've got a testimony that's real and you walk with God, you won't be afraid of the gainsayers and the soothsayers and everybody who has an opinion. Now let me ask you a question. Are you willing to walk with God to the place to where He puts fear in people who try to come against Him? He went to them kings and said, you better not lift a hand. That crowd's crazy. That bunch walks on dry ground when it ought to be wet. That bunch moves in the power of God. There is no explaining that crowd. That bunch, and you know, it's a whole lot like this. There's people who say, I don't know how in the name of God, that little old bunch of people out there comes up with that kind of money every week. I don't know how in the name of the Lord, that boy who don't have a whole lot of education, nor does he have a whole lot of sense, how in the world does he get that many people in that building? And folks from First Baptist, Grace Methodist, and everywhere else, they're saying, well, I don't know exactly what's going on out there. Uh, but, uh, you know, you don't hear a whole lot from them anymore because we are uh, here to stay and to honor God with a testimony that's real and you can't fight that. Now in your own life, get you some victories. Don't quit. Finish college. Don't give up. And after you finish, don't put a time limit on God how long He's got to do something with you. You just keep walking from victory unto victory. Notice the second thing. Let me give you the second one. Number two, there's a trimming that is required. A trimming that is required. Chapter 5, verses 3 through 9. Now, <laughs> remember this. When Israel came out of Egypt, they went into the wilderness. Is that preaching? Is that Bible? That's Bible. They, they went into the wilderness. Now, it wasn't but just a few miles over to Kadesh Barnea where they was to cross over and possess the promised land that God had promised them. <clears throat> but they had problems with Korah. They had problems with uh, uh, that whole crowd that, that uh, visit many Baptist churches now. I just don't see why we got to do all of that. Well, because God said to. That's a good reason. God 
told them to go possess the land, just like he's told us to possess. We do not have a spirit here that's in park. We have a spirit here that is possessive. We are after ground that the devil has taken that belongs to the Holy Ghost. That's how you better look at your ministry. So they walk into the wilderness, and there's so many of them that doubted. And watch out now, because you may be a gainsayer that can get a crowd together. But if you do, you'll wander 40 years with them until they all, including you, die. They wandered round and around in about a 50-mile square radius for 40 years. God wasn't even cleaning his fingernails. And God wasn't even sipping on a yoo-hoo. What he is waiting all he is waiting on, that last one to die. You don't want to believe me? There are some people coming along who will, but you don't want in on it? I'll let you fizzle out. We'll bury you on this side of Jordan. I promise you this. You want to play games? You go ahead and play, but you will not play on my turf. And every one of those Israelites who doubted God and what he said, watch out here, and what he said. Anybody's got a vision from God, follow them. Anybody that happened, get away from them. But let me say this. When God gives somebody a vision, be careful. You could be wandering around in a small area trying to get to victory and die before you get there. But what happened during that 40 years? They had children. All of those people had been circumcised when they came out of Egypt. But they had children born to them in that doubting period, in that 40-year period, that were not circumcised. God told, in verses 3 through 9, God told Joshua, get all the boys together that have not been circumcised, and this is the second time that they were circumcised. Read it. Not the second time that one was circumcised twice, but it was the second event of circumcision. And so he says, we're going to cut away the excess. We are going to clean the excess. We are going, and he taught, did you, did, I read in the book of Genesis, the first circumcision that was ever done was done with rocks. Boys, I'm going to tell you, that hurt me to read it. That bothered me. I, I'm having a hard time here with this. Right here. You read uh, chapter 5, verses 3 through 10. God told Joshua to make you sharp knives. Now, I got near Hebrew lexicon, and I looked at that word knife. It means flint rock. They didn't have no knives. The only thing they had was spears and weapons that they carved out of the rocks. And the way they cut their meat and the way they cut their food up was with sharp flint rock. Praise God for the hospital. Where are my boys at tonight? Can I? I mean, I mean, the deadest one up here ought to be speaking in tongues right now. You come at me with a rock, and I'm an unbeliever. I'm joining up with the Canaanites. My name is Larry Canaanite Brown. And he, he circumcised every male that was in... Yeah, give it, give it some thought there, brother. Oh, me is a mild way of putting it. And he circumcised with a sharp flint rock. And the Bible said it took weeks for them to stay there until they were made whole. I reckon. I reckon. I have known people who were older, who got circumcised in their adult years and in their adolescent years, 
you do not want to follow those people around after they get out of the hospital. So they, there's a trimming that's required. These people could not go into the victory with the excess flesh. You know what God expects out of you and I? When we, you know why some of us don't go from victory unto victory? We get, we get bogged down in our defeats. is because we have not cut the excess out of our lives and off of our person and out of our spirit and out of our attitude. But we want what we want in habit. We want what we want in feel good. We want what we want in comfortable. We want what we want in all of our habits, our doing. We're going to do what we want. But we ain't never going to have what we need. Until we follow the command of trimming. How many of you know that God will trim things out of your life in order to give you victory in your next battle? Some of you have tobacco habits. Some of you have drug habits. Some of you have, have, have temper and anger problems. And you say, Brother Brown, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say the reason that you're not winning in the battle and you must prepare in chapter 5 to walk around the walls in chapter 6, you must cut. Oh, it's painful. You must cut. Oh, it hurts. You must trim the access and follow God's obedient will if you're going to have victory in the next battle. How many of you... And don't, don't raise your hand, but how many of you have ever been in a battle? You've been in a fight, and you just got beat up, and you got bruised up, and you got battered down, and beat down, and busted over. And the reason was, Satan stomped you to death, because you wanted to keep what felt good. But what was not necessary. The foreskin on the male was unclean, and it was unnecessary. And he said, we're going to cut that which is unclean, and we're going to cut that which is unnecessary, and we're going to obey God. Because when we go into this next battle, we do not want to be disobedient. I want to encourage every one of you to listen. If God starts trimming and you hear the whoa, 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 and God starts doing some trimming on the bushes of your life, know this, He's not trimming to hurt you. He's trimming to prune you and to get the access off so you can have victory in your next battle. Somebody help me praise Him right there. Number whatever. Number three. Notice that now. Let me give you this. You've got to have a testimony that will make the devil quiver. I'll be honest with you. I think this church bothers him. Now you can take one of us out of us and out of it and stand us in the yard and uh, he'll run over us and kill us. But you take all of us and stick him right, stick us all right in his face. He got a problem. He hates it that we're training these preachers. He hates it uh, that a young man like that can stand up here and preach like he did last Thursday because he was trained and bred in this Bible school. He hates it. He, I, I'm surprised that he don't try to kid you. I'm surprised, and he probably does come against you more than you make on. But he will come against you because it's not you, but it's who you preach and where you got it and how you got it that he hates. But when you turn preachers like that out, 
It's a testimony that's real. And Satan says, you better walk gingerly around that bunch because they got the real stuff. Do you know how many Baptist churches all they got is a cross on top of it to identify them as a religion? They ain't got enough power to blow the fuzz off a peach in the building. But when you have a testimony that causes the kings of the Amorites and the kings of the Canaanites to melt in their heart and their spirit drains out of them because they heard what God did for you. And then you step on into the arena of victory and you say, I want the excess trimmed off of my life. I want you, Lord, and I pray every day, God, remove from me what I do not need and what is not a must for your glory and honor in my life if it needs to be cut. Cut it. Lord, I don't care how painful and aggravated and, and how much aggravation might come by. God, I've got battles to fight and I don't have excess weight to haul. And then there's a tribute that is rehearsed. I want you to notice in verse number 10, the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and, and kept the Passover in the 14th day of the month at Eden in the plains of Jericho. They did eat of the old corn and the land on the morrow after the Passover, unleavened cakes and parched corn in the selfsame day. And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land, neither had the children of Israel manna, manna anymore. There's never been another piece of manna fell out of heaven from that verse on. But they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. They did not plant one blessed shrub or a pea. They came across the Jordan, and the people who planted it fled and left it, and the Israelis ate for a year. Six million. Two million adults. And all of these young they said there was upwards of four to six million of them crossed the Red Sea. And they come into the land of Canaan. And I want you to notice the tribute that was rehearsed. They practiced the Passover. Number one, you've got to have a testimony that will cause the devil to second guess what you might do. Number two, you've got to let God cut off the access that's in your life that does not need nor will He put up with it need to be there. And then the third thing is you've got to practice the things that you know is blood-related. They took that, that lamb, that Passover lamb, they cut its throat, and they took the blood, and they put it on the doorpost in Egypt, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And they ate that Passover lamb in the desert, in the wilderness, before their victory. Ladies and gentlemen, it is mighty important that you get around a place like this so you can experience the, 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 the tribute that is rehearsed. When we preach about the blood, we're not talking about just any blood. When we talk about the cross, we're not talking about just any cross. When we talk about Calvary, we're not talking about just the hill. When we talk about the tomb, we're not talking about just any hole in the wall. When we talk about resurrection, we're talking about the only one that ever raised. When we're talking about heaven, we're talking about a tribute. It does you good to practice the tribute and rehearse it in your wilderness wanderings and in your victories 
and in your in your trials and in your difficulties keep the blood at the forefront of your doctrine and God I'm about to dehydrate oh, hallelujah there's a testimony that's real are you listening there's a trimming that's required oh God cut away the excess I'll spend some time with him today in those verses before him personally asking him sharpen the rock sharpen the flint rock sharpen the knife cut with that two edged sword offer me what don't need to be on me and make me a child of victory and then we must have a tribute that is rehearsed when we go into our victory and we go from our victory unto our victory we must keep our tribute and our praise and our honor and our glory to our God and we must rehearse and we must constantly keep on our minds who got us here not what got us here who got us here and how he, he is Jesus and he brought us here by the blood of the Passover lamb and then fourthly yes amen every time we preach it good point every time we share it we're rehearsing the blood of Calvary. And that's an excellent point. When you learn how to share the gospel, learn how to give the truth, learn how to give somebody's life new meaning like many of you have received through the tribute of this church, praise God, that blood once again makes a difference in the lives of people and people are saved by the blood. Then... There's a triumph that is revealed. <laughs> I gotta quit. I don't want to, but I ain't got nothing left. <laughs> look at, look at this. Oh, Joshua's standing over there against Jordan. He's looking at the battlefield he's about to go into, and he looks off over to his left, and there stands a man with a sword drawn. I'm talking about it clave to his hand. Oh, Joshua backed up and he said, "Are you for us or against us?" He said, nay, neither. He said, I'm in charge. He said, I am captain of the Lord's host. I don't need you, and I don't need them. I am the man. He stood there with his sword, pulled out of his sheath. And old Joshua said, what does the commander-in-chief have to say to his servant? He said, take your shoes off. He's standing on holy ground. And he did. <laughs> you don't hear another blessed word about that guy. <laughs> and old Joshua never forgot him. You know why? Because he was... He, he, he was Schwarzkopf. He was the military strategist. He was the one that went into Jericho and shut the gate behind him and put the fear in that crowd so bad that all they could do was listen on the first day. Those Israelites marched around one time, went back to camp. They looked across the wall and said, Oh, God, maybe they won't come back. The next day, they marched around again and they went back to camp. Oh, they hadn't forgot our address. The third day and the fourth day and the fifth day and the sixth day. They walked around every day one time. You know what they were doing? Singing, shouting, praising God. 
and hallelujahs were rolling. And the, and the seventh day, the Bible says they went around it seven times, and they had pitchers in their hand, and they had horns in their hand. They said, blow the trumpets loud and break them pitchers. What a noise. And when they did it, the captain of the Lord's host, who's with us tonight, took that sword, stuck it toward glory, and the walls fell down. Not a, not, a, not a shot fired, not a throat cut, not an arrow shot. And that's how you win your victory. When God is leading you from victory unto victory. Here's the instruction manual on getting ready for your next victory. Have a victory behind you. A testimony that's real. Don't be afraid to quit your nonsense and foolishness, your cussing fits, your anger fits. Hello, aren't we having a good time? And all of your tantrums, let God begin to start trimming those things off. Because why should He give a victory to somebody who can't appreciate it? See, everything He cuts off, He puts Himself in its place. And then there's a tribute. You've got to keep on keeping on when your battles rage in the blood of the Lamb. That's our victory. And then a triumph that's revealed. We have someone who fights our battles not with us, but for us. I've just been hanging on for the ride here. It sure don't seem like 30 years of my life has been spent in this little piece of ground. It sure don't, it don't, it don't feel like that many months and that many weeks and that many days have passed. But I can testify this one thing. I've been assaulted, insulted, cussed out, ragged on, ratted on, drug around, cussed out, and everything else. But I want to say this to you. I've never had to lose a battle because I've never had to fight one. And I just look over yonder to the left and I see that guy. All you've got to do is follow him. Walk and do what he tells you. Walk around the city. That's it. All right. It don't sound like much of a fight, but they just walked around the city. Seven, one whole week only changing on the seventh day. And all of a sudden, bam. What did them people do inside when the walls fell out? We heard you was coming. We'll serve you if you won't kill us. All right, get up and come on with me. And they took over Jericho without firing a shot by cutting a throat. That is a victory out of a victory. Get busy getting you some victory. Because your next one will be determined on what you did in your last one. Our Father, thank you tonight for your goodness. Thank you tonight, Lord, for these men and women, boys and girls, that we've done the best we knew how to do tonight. It hasn't been a whole lot to it, but 
we told them what you gave us to say. And I do pray right now, Lord, that you'll touch us all and you'll help us. I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit of God, that you'll give us some victories behind us. God, I've got some sweet memories. Some sweet memories. That, that rescue mission has got some great memories and some great fights behind them. That's why they're not afraid to step into the next one. I'm glad you lead us from victory unto victory because you give us skirmish after skirmish to learn how to appreciate the victories you gave us in the last one. I pray tonight, Lord, that you'll help our teenagers to fight the fight of morality. I pray you'll help our wives and our ladies in this church to, to fight the good fight of faith and the men in this church to fight sincerely in the power of God walking in the shadow of the captain of the Lord's host. Part our battles with us and for us. Lord, I pray and help us tonight to do these things. Help us to have a good testimony that will cause the devil to know who we are. And I pray in Jesus' name that you'd cause us to have that trimming take place, the access whittled away that we don't need to be carrying around, and in obedience get it done. Then I pray God we'd have a tribute to rehearse each and every week, that we'd never forget who got us here and we'd never quit doing the symbolic things that cause us to be in our victory. The blood of Jesus. Not, not the morality of the member or the money of the member. May it perish with them if they think for a moment that that's their gift. I pray tonight in Jesus' name that you'd help us to have a testimony and a tribute and to know it's the blood, not the bank account. And help us to see the triumph that is revealed and the victory that comes to us in our Jericho when we walk from victory unto victory. How many of you get up out of your seat and come say, Lord, help me to live by this instruction manual and follow these instructions in my life so that I can walk into my next battle in victory and power. Come on right now. Come on right now. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. People are praying. Come on right now. Slip out of your seat. And come and ask God to, to instate these four uh, instructions into your life. Let God have these things that you treasure and you trust. And cut them loose and let God...